Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Today we're talking about the clergy sexual abuse scandal within the Catholic Church. That scandal reached a new level of public outrage when a Pennsylvania grand jury reported that some 300 priests had abused almost 1,000 youngsters over a 70-year period. The St. Louis Archdiocese is reacting to the scandal by scheduling a reparation mass and is cooperating with an investigation by the Missouri Attorney General. With me in studio are Sandra Price, Executive Director of the Office of Child and Youth Protection for the Archdiocese here in St. Louis. Carol Brescia is Victim Assistance Coordinator with the Archdiocese. Thank you, ladies, so much for being with us. Thanks for having us. This is a heartbreaking story on so many levels, as we indicated before going on the air. Let me ask you, Sandra, if I may, uh, how are Catholics in St. Louis reacting since the Pennsylvania story broke? They're outraged. I think everyone is just really um, grieving. I think there's so much anger and some hostility even. Um, the uh, the reports that were outlined in the grand jury report in Pennsylvania, you know, they were grisly, detailed reports of abuse. That's what sexual abuse is. And that the public... Um, has seen what sexual abuse really looks like. It's it's traumatic. It's there's just no words. Has the church been, here been damaged by it? There is a huge and I think growing sense of distrust with um, the clergy sexual abuse scandal. I think we all acknowledge that, um, and certainly I think it challenges people's faiths and uh, people have a lot of questions right now. Mm. Uh, Carol, have have people been coming forward? Uh, I know you have conversations with uh, with victims or the, the people who cl- claim to be victims. Uh, since the Pennsylvania story broke, have more people been coming forward, or has that changed at all? We've had a few calls since that report came out. Not a huge number, but I'd say about three. And again, these are cases in the past. They aren't recent. But I think because of the report, um, it's giving people the courage to speak up and the motivation to call and let us know what happened. And we certainly want anyone who has had anything that's happened to them to call us. Are there, are there any priests who are active uh, in the St. Louis area today who are the subject of allegations, Sandra? We have, uh, and I brought this up in the press conference, but we have 27 active, um, or I'm sorry, not active, we have 27 priests who are, who are alive today who have been removed from ministry that are not allowed to be in priestly ministry because of substantiated allegations of abuse. Um, and obviously, we recently released a press release um, with another priest who's now been removed due to child pornography. Over the years, I guess this goes back to uh, that, that uh, the stories began to break back in the early 2000s. Uh, how many priests have been removed uh, from the St. Louis Archdiocese? I, I can't give you that number. Um, it goes back decades, as you know. Um, but the the number I do know and have for you is that we have 27 alive today in St. Louis. Well, the, the Attorney General of Missouri is, uh, is, is investigating. Yes. Right. Uh, and you had the news conference the other day in which uh, Archbishop Carlson responded. For those who aren't aware of that response, just, just tell us how he's reacting. How the Archbishop is yes. reacting? You know, we, um, the Archbishop, I don't want to speak for him by any means, but he is very open. This is not something that's new for him. He has a history of this, and 
The archdiocese is audited every year. Now, with the attorney general coming in, the scope is going to be quite different and um, I think much larger than what we're maybe used to with our other audits. But he's he's transparent. I think he's very confident in the work that we're all doing, um, and he's willing to cooperate, and we're excited to kind of move forward. Uh, Carol, the, uh, the attorney general does not have subpoena power in this. Do you think that will impact his investigation? Uh, I'm not sure if it will. Um, I think, though, that the fact that the archbishop did open the records, I think, was a very proactive move. And again, we're, we're open to them looking at the records. We have nothing to hide. And I think uh, we'll see what comes out of it from there. Well, a, n- a number of people have, have wondered about the effectiveness of that investigation without subpoena power. Uh, we had an opportunity to talk earlier today with the attorney general, mm-hmm. and we'll get his reaction to his not having that particular power. It is a challenge, uh, but uh, I was unwilling to do nothing. Uh, and the alternative is that to simply wait for other people to act. And uh, that is something that uh, we're just not willing to do. So uh, with the uh, Archbishop's pledge to open to us all records uh, that the Archdiocese has, to cooperate fully and to give us all information that we would be able to get with the subpoena, uh, we intend to take him at his word and proceed on that basis. And we've asked uh, the other dioceses to do the same. They have pledged similar full cooperation. And so we will proceed by asking for every piece of information that we would otherwise ask for with a subpoena. And we're not just going to stop with getting information from the diocese and the archdiocese, but we're also talking to victims and their families. We've already begun that process. We're in touch with the largest victims group in the state. We'll conduct our own independent investigation, uh, gathering our own information independently, I should say, in addition to what the diocese and archdiocese can give us. And and if at the end of the day, the archdiocese and uh, those others around the state uh, are not cooperative, as they said they would be, then we will report that to the public. That's Attorney General Josh Hawley. Sandra, when he talks about examining records, what records are we talking about? What we're talking about, um, there are records with... um, priests who have been accused that I would imagine he's going to be wanting to see in our internal process and how it was handled. So there's records related to the actual reports of abuse. There are also um, personnel records of active priests here in St. Louis he may request. There's lots of different types of records, obviously, that any organization would have. Um, So I really just don't know what his scope and what his focus will be. But my understanding is they will be available to him. Carol, can you tell me something about the process of all of this if an allegation is made? Sure. Uh, what, what happens? What is the process? Okay. First of all, a person would call the office or sometimes email and say what their allegation is. And then we would talk with them on the phone in detail. Then they would come in and meet with what we call our investigatory team. And it's a team of about three or four people, including Sandra and myself and then some other people who don't work for the diocese who are professionals. Um, Then the the, uh, report is presented to the review board, and the archbishop spoke about the review board in the press conference. I can tell you a little bit about that. Uh, It's primarily made up of lay people, and they're from various disciplines, including medicine, psychology, social work, um, Law law enforcement. And so every case that's reported to us, we bring to the review board. And then they advise the archbishop on how the allegation should be handled. And as he also mentioned in his press conference, he always has followed the advice of the review board, which I think is very important. 
um, depending on each situation, in terms of my role as the victim assistance coordinator, I work with the victim in terms of what their needs are, and they can be very different depending on the victim. A lot of times we do offer counseling, and so I find a therapist in their area where they live. Um, The archdiocese often pays for that. Uh, If they have other needs, we look at those needs. Um, We are offering support groups for victims through Catholic Family Services, Mm -hmm. which is now called St. Louis Counseling. The name changed. So that's another service that we offer. Um, So that's sort of the process of it. And how long would that typically take? Well, that varies also. We we respond to a victim within 24 hours. Um, And then in terms of this team meeting that we have, we usually try to set that up probably within a week or two if we can, right, Sam? Yeah. Yeah. And then our review board meets every other month. However, if there's something that's urgent, we can call a meeting between those times. Um, so it really does vary. Uh, I don't know if I have an average amount of time, but that's sort of... It, it is fairly time. Uh, we try to be timely, yes. Yeah. We try. We yeah. try. Yeah. <laughs> you work, Sandra, you work with uh, law enforcement as part mm-hmm. of this process, as Carol just indicated. Have there been any instances in which charges have been filed against any of these priests? Anytime that charges would have been filed, that would have been public information. Um, primarily what we work with is historical cases, so the likelihood for charges to be filed is pretty limited. Um, and, and that's part of the reason why we feel it's important to have law enforcement represented on the board. So this board is our accountability body, so if charges need to be filed or um, you know, they're watching out to make sure that we're following the law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go back to the Attorney General now. The the investigation, I wasn't aware of that until today, that the investiga- investigation has already started. It is underway. You're, you're aware of that, I'm sure. I know that they have been on site. Um, I have not been involved in that part yet. I imagine I will be as things move forward, but I, I can't speak to exactly what's been looked at or um, what has started. I know that they've been on site and there's been meetings, though. You know, let's let's hear what he has to say okay. about where they yeah. are and all That's of that good. right now. We have completed an on-site inspection of the records in each of the the four di- the three dioceses and the archdiocese in the state, just to get a sense of how many records we're looking at. The records are voluminous. I mean, there are there are many, 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 many records stretching back decades across the four different jurisdictions in the state. We have already begun now our content review of those records, and we will press forward as quickly as we can. But I also want to emphasize, I think it's very important to be thorough. I mean, we need to gather all of the facts here to the maximum extent that we can. That, again, includes talking directly with victims, with victims' families, and with other witnesses who may have relevant information. So we're going to work quickly. Uh, but we're also going to work thoroughly, and uh, we want to make sure that we get all the facts before the public. Sounds like it's going to be a fairly exhaustive uh, yeah. process. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he has been criticized in some quarters uh, because he is running for the Senate, and there are some people who suggest that this is just a public relations effort. Would you care to comment on that? I I don't well, know. At least not, I should say. Not, yeah. Not um, I, I can't imagine that it's a publicity stunt. This is a huge issue across the country right now. So it's in everybody's best interest for this review to take place. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there's criticism, but I also think, as he said, if he runs into any barriers with the archdiocese, he's going to make that, make that known. So I don't think he's... Um, I think he's going into it for the right reasons, and I think the Archbishop of St. Louis... Um, my archbishop, I'm very proud that he invited Josh Hawley to come and do this. 
um, and I, I almost feel a huge sense of relief because I want people to know what we're doing and that we're being transparent and open. I have to take a, a break in a moment, but let me ask each of you, uh, how difficult is all of this on you? I mean, you're working with it every day, and it's not a pleasant story to have to deal with and, and, and uh, do public relations with, if you will. How difficult is it for you? Um, I really love my job. It's a stressful time, obviously, but I believe in the work that the church is doing. I'm a mother. I wouldn't be here. I love the church, and I, I'm an advocate for children. So um, it's a wonderful thing to be able to apply my skills and my gifts to my faith and my church. The church isn't perfect. It's made a lot of mistakes, and I'm here because I want things to get better, and I'm going to do everything I can to. So as as devastating as all this is, I feel like there's a new opportunity to really make change. Yeah. Carol? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess for me, too, part of it is that I work with the victims, and I work on the healing end of it. So that has been very important to me, and I've been doing it for several years. Again, it's very disillusioning, disappointing, angering, hurtful. We can go down the list of feelings to hear what um, the history of the church with this issue and also some of the cover-up issues that have come out. But again, um, you know, I try to remain faithful to what I think the church is all about and uh, work toward having a better um, system. And, you know, leaving the system doesn't help it. So I think working within it in trying to live up to my own ideals and my beliefs and also my professional work as a clinical social worker. Um, so uh, I'm trying to hang in there, but I will yeah. agree it is stressful, sure. especially when you know, you're dealing with this topic. Do we have a number of victims for this area? Is there a number that is, yeah. is in general use? I'm not, I'm not aware of that number, Sandra. I'm not. Yeah. At least 37. Well, 27. 27. 27. Sure, at, right. At right. least. Which yeah. Right, could, right. Oh, yeah. And worse. I mean, the priests who have um, abused in St. Louis have had multiple victims, many victims. So mm-hmm. it's it's just a hard number to capture. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's out there, but right. we don't have it today. Okay. Right. Let's take that break now. We are talking with Sandra Price with the Office of Child and Youth Protection with the Archdiocese of St. Louis and Carol Brescia, Archdiocesan Victim Assistance Coordinator. Back to continue the conversation in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast supported by University College at Washington University with undergraduate and graduate programs part-time evening and online. University College at Washington University offering world-class education within reach. Now back to our conversation with Sandra Price and Carol Brescia both representatives of the Archdiocese. I have a, a note here from an email note from one of our listeners. She writes, Ms. Price indicated in the Post-Dispatch that the local Archdiocese is doing its best to be more open and transparent and trying to talk to more people about it. Will the Archbishop and the Diocese be providing an opportunity for a gathering of area Catholics with questions and answers to allow for real dialogue about this issue? 
You know, I, I can't say yes or no to that without um, talking to the archbishop, but certainly I think local pastors are really trying to um, educate their parishioners and are willing to talk about the issues on that more personal and local level within the parish, and I certainly see that happening in different places. So, All right, and well, one other thing that pops into my mind before we move on to the mass of, of reparation mm-hmm. that we're here to talk about is the fact that uh, there's been a lot of criticism that the Pope has not responded to this. That's probably not uh, – it's probably above your pay grade, (laughs) Sandra, as we can say. But again, this has to be a challenge for you in dealing with this. Yeah, I mean, I certainly hope that he has a change of heart and he does um, share some information about what happened. Um, I think it's a little – it's definitely disappointing. And, um, yeah, I just – I really hope that the people – kind of put some pressure on him to give us an explanation. Mm-hmm. Again, we have to point out that this is a worldwide problem. Right. And this yes. sort of thing has been happening for a long time right. all over the world. Now, to the, the mass of um, <clears throat> reparation. Um, who wants to tell me what's okay. going to be happening, Carol? Sure, you're you're you. poised and ready to <laughs> right. do so, I see. So just to give a little background, in the Catholic tradition, reparation is prayer to ask for uh, forgiveness from God for sins, our own sins as individuals, but also the sins of others. And we don't really know historically if there has been an act, a massive reparation very recently, not that we know of. I tried to find that out, but it isn't done very frequently. But it is done when there is uh, a big scandal or problem or sin, whatever you want to call it, which there is going on here with this child abuse issue. And so it really is... Um, sort of a notable event. And again, we just want people to understand that the reason for having the Mass is because we come together as a community of faith, again, to ask God for forgiveness for individual sins and in a public way to ask God for forgiveness for this terrible evil and sin of abuse of children. Um, And that's really the purpose of the Mass. All are invited to come. Um, And sometimes, you know, people say, well, prayer isn't enough. Well, it isn't. But again, as a community of faith, we begin with prayer, and then the prayer leads to action. And as we've said, we've already taken a lot of action over the past year since 2002 to try to prevent any further abuse and to help the victims who were abused. Um, so action is always involved. But, but again, as a community of faith, we want to pray together and ask God for forgiveness. Um, and then hopefully, as I said, continue to act to prevent any further further abuse and to help those who have been abused. Sandra, anything you'd add to that? I know that that, uh, individual parishes are also having special observances over the next uh, days, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, that's something that Pope Francis called for um, in his statement, and the archbishop has also asked all of the pastors in St. Louis to offer masses of reparation and healing for victims of abuse. So that's certainly happening um, all over St. Louis. Mm -hmm. You have to have a lot of faith in the power of prayer to think that this is going to do any good. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and as I said, prayer is the basis, but then there needs to be definite action. You don't just sit and pray and then do nothing. Right. So I just want to stress that. It's, what it's might both. that action be? 
Well, I, I think we've already um, started, you know, 2002 is truly a demarcation line. That's a, a line in the sand for Catholics, and I think we all need to know that. That's the Boston situation right. the, from which the film Spotlight was made. Absolutely, absolutely. And what happened out of that was the Charter for Protection of Children and Young People, which really guides our prevention efforts and how we investigate and handle reports of abuse going forward. And that document, um, I, I don't know that I can actually call it church law, but we certainly treat it as church law. And it requires us to um, train adults, any adult that has contact with children. It requires us to background check them. And we have a, a standard code of ethical conduct, which all adults in ministry must, must abide by. And just as an example, um, 4.5 million adults were trained to, um, across the country in 2016, were trained to be able to recognize and intervene and report child sexual abuse. That's a huge number. So we are taking uh, many steps to address this issue. What about the issue of trust, which was mentioned mm-hmm. earlier? I mean, that's some repair work has to be done. Absolutely. And I think that's part of the reason we're here. And mm-hmm. You know, I think historically the church, or even since 2002, we've been relatively quiet about what we're doing. Um, And to be honest, I think that's really out of respect for the victims of the clergy abuse scandal. It's their story to tell. It's not ours. But there has been a lot of damage, and we do need people to understand that, yes, we have this horrendous history, and we've hurt so many people, but we've also done so much to change that and prevent abuse going forward. So. Um, we don't want to be hurtful to anyone, but we do want to get a greater understanding about what we are doing now to prevent mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And this is something that has to be done not only within the church, but right. beyond the church. Other denominations are watching all of this, right. too, sure. And, sure. And, and reacting to it. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, we have uh, a... a um, a, a former victim, if you will, sure. David Clossie, who many people know. He's been active in this area. He is the man who started the Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests, uh, known as SNAP in, mm-hmm. in many circles. And we had an opportunity to talk to him uh, earlier today and ask him about this uh, massive reparation and what his thought was with regard to it. So let's hear what he had to say. These are kind of feel-good gestures that many bishops do. Um, Quite frankly, they don't protect a single child. They don't expose a single predator. They don't punish a single complicit church official. So it's it's largely just a we think a public relations effort, um, and it's part of an ongoing public relations campaign by Catholic officials to define this crisis as something of the past. But unfortunately, kids are still being molested. Uh, victims are still struggling in shame and isolation and self-blame, but church officials seem fixated on trying to talk about all of this as though it's ancient history when, in fact, it's not. That's David Clossie, who is the founder of SNAP, the Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests. Well, you heard him. Carol, I'll start with you. Your reaction to what he had to say? Yeah. Well, again, I just place it in the um, context of the Catholic faith tradition And in that sense, I don't see it as a PR move. I see it as what we do as a community of faith when this huge of a sin and crisis and evil exists. We come together and we pray for forgiveness. That isn't all we do. But that in itself is very important in our faith. And that's what we're doing. We're not doing it as a PR um, move. 
yes, I totally agree. We need to continue to find out about past abuse, encourage people to come forward and share their stories with us so we can help them. We need to continue our prevention so that this doesn't continue. We need to be very aware of what's happening in the present moment. Uh, The Archdiocese does a lot of outreach with that. When we have a substantiated allegation against a priest, um, we publish that in the bulletins where the priest served. We publish it in the review. So we don't try to hide it. We we have it out there, and part of that is so that there's outreach to other possible victims by that priest. So I think, again, we're praying and we're trying to do a lot to continue to reach out to people and to have them come forward both from the past and in the present. I should point out that we have just received an email from Tom Lennon, who is the president of SNAP, and he has just said the identical words that uh, that David Clossie has uh, has given us. What are your thoughts, Sandra, about the the, the PR aspect of that? I think that a lot of people are talking about the PR aspect of all of this, but we've been silent for a really long time, and I think – Um, We really haven't had much PR or made any attempts to talk about what we're doing now or the past. So I'm sure it does sort of feel like that. But um, we, again, because of the trust issue, are really trying to get the information out to the public. And as Carol said, we're, um, we're a Catholic community, and we are going to rely on our Catholic faith to address this issue and guide us in what needs to happen. Do you think you could be more transparent than you are? I think we could, but I also think if you compare what we do to what a secular organization would be doing, I think we're well beyond what maybe a secular organization would be expected to do. Yeah. Carol? Mm -hmm. That's a good Yeah. Well, and one of the thoughts that comes to me, Don, is, again, something the Archbishop mentioned in his press conference. Before this Pennsylvania grand jury report even came up back in 2017, Uh, The Archdiocese invited an ex-FBI person to come in and to look at all our protocol and our practices. She interviewed review board members, staff members. um, And the reason we did that was to see if we thought what we were doing was meeting the standards. And so, again, um, that wasn't even advertised as a PR move. That was something we did because we wanted to increase our uh, transparency as well as our quality of services. Right. I think another point I just want to make quickly is that um, children being molested, He, I think he referenced that, we follow Missouri state-mandated reporting laws. So if we're made aware of it, we're going to report that abuse regardless of who the perpetrator is. Um, Carol and I are both licensed clinical social workers. We're the people that maybe someone would reach out to and alert us. And our first statement is going to be, you need to call the Missouri State Child Abuse Hotline right. and the local authorities immediately. Right. We don't, um, we, we, if we know about it, we're going to report those things. Right. Right. We are mandatory reporters, right, yeah. as licensed clinical social workers. Yeah, I think I misidentified the president of SNAP a, f- a couple of moments ago. I called him Tom Lennon, but it's Tim Lennon. So okay. just to get that straight. Yeah. We have an email here from Chris, too. Again, the PR thing keeps coming up. He writes, I spent the years from 2002 to 2015 trying to get help. They did nothing. For instance, at no point was I ever told the existence of, much less contacted by, an assistance coordinator. And more recently, Ms. Brescia never returned my email. Do you, are you familiar with Chris? I'm by any not chance? familiar. Yeah. And I, again, I'm sorry, but I didn't... As far as I know, I didn't receive an email. Um, 
I try to respond. I do respond to every email that I receive and every phone call. And I would suggest that hopefully Chris or Tim, sorry, Chris Chris, will call the office um, or email me again. Because, yes, I'm sorry to hear that because we really do uh, respond to everyone who approaches us. How far back do some of these uh, allegations go? I mean, when you get a call, Carol, from someone today, are they talking about something that happened last week, last year, or a decade ago? Usually it's at least 10, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, would you agree, Sandra? I'd yeah. say it ranges between yeah. the 60s to the 80s, mm-hmm. I'd say. Yeah. The majority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, the more of these stories that come out, the more stories they, they right. seem to generate. Well, uh, the question, we've talked about it, what happens next? I want to go back to, uh, to David Klesse here. Uh, he um, was asked that question during an interview this morning, and here's what he had to say about what he thinks should happen next. Every single child molesting cleric has to be publicly exposed, suspended, and their whereabouts need to be revealed so that parents can protect their kids. The Archdiocese is shielding the names of about 57 predators who they admit uh, credibly accused child molesters. Um, And their identities are secret because Archbishop Carlson insists that they be. Klesi, who was the founder of SNAP, the survivors network of those abused by priests. What do you think of that number, Sandra? Um, I think that number is probably pretty close to accurate. I don't have the exact number, but what I can say is, you know, a a large number, or probably at least half of that, is their deceased priests. So they're no longer a risk to children. Um, Of the priests that are alive and are removed from ministry, uh, they're in. They're being monitored, so they don't have access to children. Uh, I know a lot of other dioceses have released the names of those accused clerics who've been credibly accused, and um, I don't know that that's up to the archbishop. Um, I think there's pros and cons to doing that, and we'll just have to see what happens. We uh, our time is winding down. Uh, just a question with regard to the mass that's going to be happening Friday night at seven o'clock. By the way, at the Cathedral yes. uh, Basilica. Take me beyond that, okay, if you can. We've, we've, we've talked uh, around some of this. What, where do we go from here beyond that mess? My goal, I think, in all of this is really to just bring people together um, and to, you know, we want to hear from victims who've been harmed by the church. Uh, Carol and I will be the people who receive your calls and work with you, and I hope that us being on the air today gives people a little confidence about calling us and reaching out to us. But our goal is to bring people together and to help people and to prevent child abuse going forward. And Carol, where do you you want to be in the weeks and months ahead? Well, I wholeheartedly agree with what Sandra said. And again, where I want to be is hopefully here for the victims and receiving whatever reports come in and trying to respond uh, in a way that's very helpful to them. Yeah, how do how do people find you? I mean, I, I guess is there a website or something, a telephone number that yes. we can put on our website to? Sure. To... Part of um, the Charter for the Protection of Children and Young People that I talked about earlier mm-hmm. that came out in 2002 requires us to have these numbers posted um, all over the place. So they're on the website. 
we have a poster in every parish and school with my contact information and also the Missouri State Child Abuse Hotline number on it. So we have them everywhere, but if you don't have them, we can certainly get them for you today. We'll, we'll be sure they, uh, to post mm-hmm. them on our okay, website, sdlpublicradio.org, just to, just to yeah, further the, uh, if you thank will. You. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Well, I want to thank you both, Sandra Price, uh, for being with us, Executive Director of the Office of Child and Youth Protection for the Archdiocese of St. Louis and Carol Brescia, Victim Assistance Coordinator for the Archdiocese. Thank you so much for being with us. I know it's a difficult thing to talk about, but it's got to be talked about. Yeah, definitely. Thank, Thank you, you for Dad. having us. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.